The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today, wherever you're at. I, I just pray that God is speaking to you. I pray that as you listen here, um, you, you get to see, just even in a few verses, you get to see how much God truly does desire for you to be connected to people, to have a family, a spiritual family of people around you that encourage you, that are loving on you. I hope you see that. And even if you're having to join us online because being back in the church is is not necessarily where you feel comfortable right now, I hope, I hope you have people in your life that are pouring into you, that are encouraging you, loving on you. And if you don't, reach out to us, reach out to our staff. We would love, love to meet you in this time, in this season, get to know you, get to know what's going on in your life. We want to do that. We want to be for people. Uh, As we continue through our study in the Gospel of Luke, today it's Luke chapter 8, just 19 through 21, so just three verses. Uh, Luke has just finished recording Jesus' sermon of parables, and now for the next several verses, he is going to highlight some of what I think are the most amazing stories from Jesus' middle ministry. Okay, And I say middle ministry meaning this. Jesus did ministry for three years here on this earth, and he did some amazing things. We've already seen many of those things. We've already seen them in the first seven chapters of the Gospel of Luke. But we're going to see in this the rest of chapter 8, really, just bam, 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 Luke firing off some amazing Amazing, amazing stories of what Jesus does. This first one, though, however, regards Jesus and his earthly family. Something, a look of Jesus we really don't get to see very often. So it's unique, and Luke adds it. One thing I want to say before we dive in, chronologically, how Luke places these stories, it didn't happen in this order. Okay, it didn't happen in this order. We know that because Matthew, who was one of the disciples with Jesus, and Mark, who saw it from a little bit different perspective, they write and they put these stories earlier, some of them later, and we see that. Luke was doing something completely different. He wasn't one of the disciples. He's a historian. He's writing this letter to a guy named Theophilus, and he is interviewing people as he goes. Hey, did you, did you know Jesus? Did, did you ever see anything that he did? And as he walks through Capernaum and interviews people, they're like, yeah, actually there was this one night where Jesus' family tried to come and get him. And, and then I remember this one time where he calmed this storm. And then, oh, there was this one time where there was this demon, and, and he, he just spoke, and, and it was amazing. And so Luke's interviewing, and he's writing this down, and then this letter that he's forming, I mean, he's not worried about putting them all in chronological order. He's worried about recounting these amazing testimonies of Jesus' power and his love, and even today, how Jesus redefined family. These are huge things, and we've only got three verses, so let's read them right now. Luke chapter 8, verses 19 through 21. I will read them all. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. That sounds nice. But they weren't able to get near him because of the great crowd that was around Jesus. Someone told Jesus, hey, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. They want to talk to you. He replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. There's that redefining of family. 
Oh, my mother and brothers are outside. Well, my mother and brothers are those who actually do what God says to do. And there's not a lot there, so what I want to do is I want to jump to Mark's account. Mark gives us quite a bit more context to apply these three verses. So just a little bit more information. Let's go to Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So Jesus is so popular at this point. He's going from town to town, he's teaching, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's performing amazing miracles. He is popular, and they enter a home, probably invited there for dinner, like any good pastor, he waits to eat until everyone else has had a chance. Well, the host didn't make enough food, so Jesus and his disciples are sitting there hungry at a dinner party that was for them, but there were too many people crammed into the house. Verse 21 when his family, when Jesus' family heard about this, heard that Jesus was there, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he's out of his mind. Now, let's put some legs to this. That phrase, take charge of him, is the same phrase that's used to describe how the townspeople tried to restrain the Gadarean demoniac. They were terrified of him. He was so strong because of the demon possession that they bound him with chains. They cast him into a tomb to just stay safe. And it's the same word. Now, I don't think Jesus' brothers came with chains literally, but they were going to remove Jesus from this situation. Why? Why? Because in Hebrew culture, in Jewish culture, family is everything. We see it in the genealogies. We see it in the teachings of the Old Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, the words for life and family are somewhat interchangeable. And if that doesn't make a lot of sense, let me put it this way. To lose one's family, to be cast out of a family, would be to lose your life. Socially, that's how it would seem. So it's interchangeable. Family is everything. And now Jesus' family is standing outside, can't get to him because there's too many people who want Jesus's attention, but they're not going to take no for an answer. This is an intervention. Hey, Jesus, you're coming home with us. Even if we got to tie you up and drag you because you're running our family name into the ground. People think you're crazy back home. You're teaching these radical things. Yeah, you're doing some amazing stuff, but the religious leaders from our town, the religious leaders from Nazareth, they came to us and they said, hey, we're gunning for your son, Jesus. You need to step in now. And Mary and Jesus' brothers, they, they would have been aware that the trajectory Jesus was on was going to wind up with him being at least put in prison by the religious leaders. They know this. Because John the Baptist had just been put in prison for preaching and for calling out Herod for his weird relationship. John's in prison. Mary doesn't want her son thrown in jail. Mary wants her family name back. They want this to just go away. If we, if we can just pull him back home, calm him down, get him back in his right mind, everything's going to be good. That's, that's all that we have to do. We know from Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, that Jesus had four brothers. 
We'll just read that really quick. A different context, but it tells us the names. Isn't this the carpenter's son, Joseph? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? John chapter 7, we're not going to read that, but it tells us that at this point, Jesus' brothers do not believe in him. They don't, obviously, they're coming to shut him down. They don't believe. Mary at this point doesn't believe that her son is the Messiah, which is ironic because of the angelic visions at his birth, because of the angels saying this is the one who's going to save the world. But at this point, there's just too much pressure. There's too much political charge right now. There's too many differing views. And yes, Jesus is amazing. And yes, that's my son. I, I love him, but he is out of his mind. And we've got to go get him. We've got to stop. Their family dignity is at stake. They're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Jesus is going to get thrown in jail. So what does Jesus do in response to this? To his family, his earthly family, showing up outside of this house, unannounced, just showing up to bring him home. What does Jesus do? He redefines family. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. They were standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him. So he didn't get to eat, but there are people circled around Jesus, probably because he's teaching them. And then the person who sent in told him, hey, your mother and your brothers, they're outside looking for you. And Jesus asked this question, who are my mother and my brothers? And I know the grammar is not perfect there, but who, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Uh, we we got to redefine this. Verse 34. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother. Here's my mother. And here's my brothers. And then he says this. It's whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoever does God's will. That, that's a redefining of family. It's a spiritual family. Luke says it in verse 21, whoever hears God's word and puts it into practice is part of the family. Jesus' earthly family is standing outside, and he goes, no, 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 no. It's, it's you all. It's you all right here. And you've got to think he was pointing at some of his disciples when he said that. Hey, no, you're, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're, you're my mother. And I think, I think, as harsh as that sounds, we will see in the end that at least Mary believes. I mean, she's one of the few at the cross when Jesus is paying for the sins of the world. James, one of his brothers, will be, become great. I, mean, that, I, I think we will see that they come around. But on this night, Jesus just says no. And as harsh as that is, as harsh as that is, I want you to hear it then in the context of those sitting in the circle. Those who have been kicked out of their families because they are following this guy named Jesus who, yeah, he does some stuff, but the religious leaders sure don't like him. The, the people who call the shots in their communities don't like this. And, and so they've, they've been kicked out of their families. They've lost their life. And he goes, oh, no, 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 we're, we're family now. 
I'm your family. You're my family. I want you to hear how they would hear that. Jesus is saying, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, they're the ones sitting right here. They're the ones who embrace the kingdom that, that I'm coming to pronounce. They're the ones that deny themselves and want to please God more than they fear man. That's, that's my brother. That's my sister. It, it sounds a little bit like last week. Remember the, those who are the light, those who shine, are the ones who hear the word of God and apply it and and they don't just listen to all the outside noise. That's, that's my family. That's my family. And Jesus, his statement, there's two things, two things that we have to see. First of all, nowhere in the life of Jesus will he ever allow anyone, even his mama, to mess with his mission. He knew his mission. It was to come and it was to seek and to save the lost. It was to usher in the kingdom of God. It was to create a new spiritual family. He is not going to let his brothers or his mom stop it. The only family he knows he has to please is his heavenly father, and he will do that. And once again, he's saying, all I'm asking for to be a part of this family is for you to choose God. That makes you, it's, it's not as harsh as you, as you might initially hear it. So today, as you're trying to figure out, how does this apply to me? What do I do with this? Well, number one, count it a blessing. Just take a moment to thank God. Count it a blessing if you have a family around you that encourages you to follow Jesus. Just count that as a blessing. Because many have been cast out of or had to turn away from their families in order to do so. And, and if you're sitting here today, maybe you're younger and you're just, you're, you're mad because like your parents are just always forced down. Like you got to do this, you got to be this. You're, Jesus is the most important thing and, and you're trying to wrestle through that. Just realize what the blessing really is in that, that, that you've been encouraged. And second, just a way to apply this. If, if you've lost your earthly family, okay, and that can be physically lost them or have been separated because of your beliefs, then I want you to know that there's an option for a, a new spiritual family, a spiritual family that will function a lot like a real family and maybe in some instances even better. The only requirement for membership into this family is to share in Jesus with the family, through faith in him, through spending your life trying to see the will of God done. Anyone can be in this family, regardless of their race, their class, their gender, their political views. Everyone's welcomed into this family. That's not always the case in our earthly families. But for this family, any, anyone can join. It's a spiritual family that's been knitted together by faith, it's a group of people passionate about seeing the will of God done on this earth. We live in a culture, unfortunately, that highlights and praises individuality above everything else. It's about you, and, and you do you. And, and God comes and says, no, you, you need others. And it's, it's not about you. It's about actually denying yourself so that you can before others what they need, and then you become part of a family where others are doing that for you. So 
while you're not just looking out to take care of yourself, you've got all these other people that are taking care of you as you try to take care of them. It's really a beautiful picture. The family of God is also called the church. And this family has some values that are supposed to be lived out. And me as the pastor and, and you as the people, I think we need to be reminded of what those family values are, what the church should really be about. It should be a passionate place where people want to be a blessing to one another. It should be a place in a family where people are passionate about praying for and with one another. It should be a family and a place where people are passionate about forgiving, about sharpening, discipling, and growing with others. It's where we commune together and we serve one another. We're passionate about that. Passionate about being a family that helps reconcile or win the world back to Christ. And, and most importantly, it's a place where people are passionate about actually doing life together. Not just being isolated. Not just sitting alone and individual, but doing life together. Walking this path with someone else. Rubbing shoulders. Rejoicing together. Crying together. Working hard and sweating together, playing together. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do life together, but we have a purpose and a mission, and that is to deny our own agenda and accept the mission that God has given his family, his church. That mission is to do all these things we just talked about. All these things. That's what the mission is, to do these as we are lights in this world. So you become fulfilled by denying yourself and joining this amazing family. Let's read Luke chapter 8, or Luke 8, 21 again. My mother, my brothers, are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. We must listen and respond in obedience to what God is calling his family to be. There's much that God does desire for his family, but, but he provides the fuel to be able to accomplish this. The Holy Spirit, the word of God, they enable and empower his family to become the hands and feet of Jesus. You don't do it in your own power. He's the one leading and guiding and setting the structure at Summit, we don't want to simply be a church that gathers. We want to be a family. We want to be a family. And so I ask, are, are you doing your part in the family of God? As you hear what God is calling you to, as you open the word, as you pray in the Holy Spirit, it just inclines you towards action. Are you doing what God is calling you to do as part of this family? Are you passionate about blessing others? Are you passionate about praying with and for others? Are you forgiving? Are you growing and discipling others? Is this, is this what's describing your life? And I know we're still in a global pandemic and isolation is kind of the new norm, but this spiritual family is so vital to our fulfillment, our contentment, and the completion of the mission. 
Because doing life together, doing life together is what will win this world to Jesus. People want to be invited in and they want to see God in you, but they want to see that when they come, they will be cared for. They'll be loved. And we say it all the time here. We are for people because God is for people. And one of the ways he wants to exude that love and that forness is through his family. So I ask, do you want, do you want today to be part of that family? If the answer is yes, then the first step is to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to make him Lord of your life. By doing that, then you become part of the family. But when you become part of the family, you join the family, you contribute to the family, you become passionate about family things. And in that you will find, I believe, the greatest level of fulfillment because it's coming from God and you're functioning in the way that you were intended to function. I think Jesus was brilliant on that night when his mom and brothers were saying, hey, come, stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing doesn't make any sense. Just come back home, come, come back to where it's safe. And he goes, I'm home right now. I'm right where I'm supposed to be because these are my people. That's my mama, that's my brother, that's my sister because we are on a mission together and nothing's gonna stop us. If that sounds like something you want, then I pray that today you will seek out the Lord Jesus. You will step up into the role of a family member that you've been called to. You will allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and that we will be, we will be the church, the family that God has called us to be. Father, I pray that this may be a redefining moment for some. I pray that we would see the family of God and its importance, that we would play our part, Lord, we would be engaged. And for those who are struggling to find out how to do that in the current context of our world, in the current context of our church, God, I pray that you would enable them. You would give them the wisdom and the clarity and the grace necessary to understand how to be part of this family because God, we all need it. I pray for those who are distant and far, who are far removed from this, Lord, I pray you call them by name, that they put their faith and their trust in you and they become part of your amazing family. We thank you for creating what you have, for letting us be just a small part. We pray, Jesus, that you would be glorified today through your church, through your family. It's in your name we pray.